come to Christ and find healing, direction, meaning, purpose for their life. How do you do that? How do you come to Christ? How do you answer that invitation? How do you come to Christ and how do you receive all those things from Him? I'll tell you how you do it. You do it through this. You do it through this. It's an invitation to come to the Word of God because it's the Bible that changes us. Jesus Christ said in John 6, 63, He says, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus says, they're not just words that I've spoken into the air. They're not just words that have been written down on a page. We're talking about spiritual power. Power that can transform people, that can transform cultures. Power that can transform history. Christ's words can do the impossible. Hebrews 4.12 says it like this. It says, the Word of God is living and active. Living and active. The living in the Greek there is the word zao. It's where we get the word zoo or zoology, the study of living things. It means to be alive. The Word of God is alive. It's not just words. It's active. The Greek word there is the word for energy. It has power. It has the energy that you need to change things. It says it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. It has the ability just to cut right to the heart of the matter. To point out what's wrong in my life and to help me to make the change that I need to make in order to correct it. The Word of God is not a skill saw. It's not a chainsaw. It's a scalpel that's used for healing. It can do the fine work that needs to be done. Now, we all need to make changes in our lives. We all need to change things. We need to, there are things we need to stop doing. There are things we need to start doing. And maybe you've tried to change them. But they haven't changed. But the Word of God can change things you cannot change on your own. That's the whole reason the Bible was given to us. The Bible is not given to us to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to us to change our lives. Now, how does God's living and active Word change me? Today, I want to give you seven ways that the Word of God changes you. First, the Word of God changes me. First way is it recreates my life. It recreates my life. When my life has fallen apart, God comes in and recreates my life. He gives me a whole new life, a new beginning, a fresh start. The Bible calls it being born again. It's a new birth. It's that dramatic. You don't turn over a new, new leaf. You need a new life. You become a new creation. James 1.18 says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. The spiritual birth comes into our life through the word of truth. Without the word of God, you, you wouldn't know your need. Without the word of God, you wouldn't know about Jesus Christ. You wouldn't know about the cross. You wouldn't know what he had done for you. You wouldn't know about the hope of heaven. You wouldn't know how to trust Him. You wouldn't know God's purpose for your life apart from the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. It is Scriptures that give you the wisdom that helps you to come to faith in Christ. Now, the Bible often compares itself to a seed that's planted in your life. And once the Word of God, once that seed takes root in your heart, it then begins to grow and it begins to bear fruit. And the fruit of the Word in your life is life change. Life change. First Peter 1.23 says, You have been born again, 
not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. In other words, it's eternal. Through the living and enduring Word of God. The living and enduring Word. It's not just words on the page. It's not just words that Christ spoke into the air. It is the living and enduring Word of God that is planted in our hearts, that recreates our life. Second thing that the Word can do in my life is it eradicates my guilt. You know, I don't have to live with guilt and regret. I don't have to live with shame in my life. Too many people are stuck in memories of the past, but they just can't seem to get over it. You know, either people have hurt them and they have resentment toward them, or they have hurt other people and they carry guilt in their life, or they've done something that they're just ashamed of. But God doesn't want you carrying a load of guilt, resentment, and shame. But too often we think that God wants us to feel guilty. God, folks, God is not in the guilt business. God is in the forgiveness business. God wants to eradicate the guilt from your life. The Bible was given to us so that we can become free from our guilt. Look at Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. So Christ loved the church. That's you and me. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're part of the church. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Washing with water through the Word. I mean, what a picture. You know, and I take the Word of God and I fill my mind with it and I let it flow through my life. It, it is like water, spiritual water that is washing through my life. It washes out the dirt and the junk and the sin and the guilt and the shame and the regret. God's Word makes me clean inside. God's Word offers me a spiritual cleansing. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 3, he said, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. There is cleansing power in the word of God. When I read it, it removes the guilt out of my life and it teaches me the truth about grace and mercy and forgiveness. Word of God recreates my life. It eradicates my guilt. Number three, it activates my faith. It activates my faith. You should look around at people today. Maybe you experience this in your own life. Most people today are not confident. Most people are not courageous. Most people are just flat out scared to death. They're afraid to take risks. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid of dying. They're just filled with all kinds of fears. They're not walking confidently because they're not people of faith. They live life driven by fear rather than a life based on faith. But faith is word-activated. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Have you ever read a Bible verse, and, and, and you read that verse, and, and you think, you know what, I, I need to do this. I, I ought to do this. I can do this. The word has just activated your faith. You know, maybe you're, you're in a, a, a sermon or maybe a small group or you hear somebody on the radio preaching and, and, and you think, you know what, I, I need to do that. I ought to do that. I can do that. Your, your faith is activated through the Word. And that's the difference between the Bible and self-help books. You know, self-help books uh, often tell you the right thing to do. Truth is, folks, most self-help books are just ripping off the Bible. You know, they're just taking biblical truth and claiming it for their own. 
And they're just telling you to do what the Bible tells you to do. Uh, you know, you need to stop worrying. You need to think positively. You need to do the right thing. You need to be a person of character. Self-help, self help. You know, you need to be. I mean, it's all good stuff. The difference is they don't give you the power to do it. They don't give you the power to do it because the power to make the change comes through the Word of God. The Word activates my faith. Fourth thing the Bible can do in your life. It stimulates my growth. In Acts 20, 32, Paul's getting ready to leave the city of Ephesus. He's never going to see the Ephesians again. And he's leading them, and this is what he says to them. He says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says, I commit you to God, and I commit you to the word of his grace, the word of God that will build you up and give you an inheritance. Now, what does that mean? It means the word of God stimulates my spiritual growth. If you're going to grow spiritually, it's going to be a result of spending time in the word of God. If you're going to reap a spiritual, eternal inheritance, it's going to come from spending time in the word of God. You know, when God recreates your life, you become more than a believer. And the Christian life is not just about believing, it's about belonging and becoming. When you place your faith in Christ, you belong to the body and the bride of Christ. You belong to the family of God. And when you belong to God's family, there are family responsibilities and there are family privileges that come along with that. And as a member of God's family, you have the potential for a spiritual inheritance that you can gain from God. An inheritance not just here on earth, but an inheritance that is eternal. And God says, I want to stimulate your growth. I want to give you the inheritance that you deserve as my child. A spiritual inheritance that rightly belongs to you. But in order to, to inherit the inheritance, in order to claim it, you must learn to love and live God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for four things. Scripture is useful for four things. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Those four things. So that, here's the purpose clause of the Bible. You don't know the purpose of the Bible? The purpose of the Bible is not teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The purpose of those things is so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The purpose of the Bible is to equip you to do God's purpose in your life. To thoroughly equip you with all you need to make you fully prepared to give you everything you need to take on life and the way God wants you to take it on. And the way God gets you ready for life, the way God gets you ready for His purposes, is through the Bible. These four things. Teaching. Teaching is when the Bible shows me this is the path that you need to walk on. Teaching. This is the path you need to walk on. Rebuking. It's when the Word of God says, hey, hey, you're off the path. You've gone off in the ditch. That's rebuking. Hey, what are you doing over there? You're supposed to be over here. Correcting is showing me how to get from here to back onto the path. The Scripture corrects and brings me back. And then training in righteousness is teaching me how to stay on the path and stay out of the ditch. Those are the four things that the Bible does for me. It teaches me what God's path is. It rebukes me when I get off the path. It corrects me by bringing me back onto the path. 
And then it trains me to stay on the path. That's how the Word of God stimulates my growth. Fifth way the Word of God changes me is it illuminates my mind. Psalm 119, 130 says, Understanding your Word brings light to the minds of who? Who? Yeah, ordinary people. That's you and me. You know, God's Word is written for us, ordinary people. God wants to bring light into every one of our minds. He wants to light up our minds with the truth of who He is, with the truth of what's the next step to take in our lives. The truth of how to handle all the feelings that are coming into my life. The truth of how to handle the, the difficult relationships in my life. The truth of how to handle my finances. He wants to bring light to our lives. And the way He brings light into our lives is through meditation. Through thinking, pondering, dwelling, considering Scripture. Psalm 119.99 tells us how to do it. It says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Circle that phrase. Meditate on your statutes. Meditation is the key to turning on the light of illumination in your life. Now, in your small group studies over the next six weeks here, you're going to be learning six different ways to meditate on God's Word. Because it's the key. You know, when you soak your mind in the Word of God, God turns on the lights. You know, mo mo most illumination isn't a lightning bolt, it's a dawn. It's just a slow turning on of, of the light and realize, oh, this is what God wants me to do. And meditation helps you to see things, not just from a different perspective. Meditating on God's Word helps you to see things from God's perspective. And that's the perspective you've got to have. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the most difficult but one of the most important life lessons that I've learned as a believer now for almost 40 years is that God's word, and the Living Bible actually translates this verse, uh, your word is a flashlight to light my path. I, honestly, I like that. I don't do a lot with lamps. So, you know, I'm not used to lamp light. But a flashlight, I get that. You ever been out in the dark, been out in the woods, and, and had a flashlight, and you want to see where you're going? You know, the ground's uneven, rocky, there's roots, there's stuff to fall into, trip over. You want to, how am I going to find my way through here? How do you use a flashlight in that setting? Well, you know, I, I'm the type of person, I always want to see stuff far out. You know, I, I want to see the next 20, 20 feet. I want to see the next 20 yards. I want to see the next 20 years in order to know what God wants me to do. God said, oh, that's not how it works, Kelly. My word is a flashlight to light your path. The most effective way to use a flashlight is not to shine it 20 feet or 20 yards down the path. When you do that, the light diffuses, and honestly, you can't see anything. The best way to use a flashlight is to light where you're going to take your next step. But the only way where you can see to go after that is you've got to take that step. God's Word says, I will light your path one step at a time. But you want to know what to do next and next and next? You've got to keep moving. You've got to take the step. God says, I, don't, I, I give you enough light to see uh, the next step. What's your next step? What's the next step of righteousness? that God is calling you to take. 
you know, to turn the light on, one of the things you've got to do is you've got to pray prayers based on God's Word. You've got to fill your heart and mind with God's Word. Psalm 119, 18. This is our memory verse for this week. It says, open my eyes. That's illuminate me. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That's a prayer that you need to pray. Now, it says here, let me see wonderful things in your law. The Bible uses a lot of words to describe itself. There's law, there's statutes, there's promises, uh, there's scriptures. They're all synonyms for God's word, the Bible. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. That's our memory verse. Let's say this a couple of times. Remember, we start with the verse, Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. You want to see wonderful things? You want to see wonderful things? Look in God's law and pray that God will open your eyes to see them. Here we go again. Psalm 119, 18. Take it down, Shannon. Can you just move to the next verse here so that they can... Ha, ha, ha. Here we go. Psalm 119, 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Where is it found? Psalm 119, 18. That's it. Meditate on God's Word. Uh, sixth thing God does is He elevates my mood. Some of you need a mood elevator. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're down in the dumps. And uh, now that's either somebody who needs to be elevated or they rode over here with somebody who needs to have their mood elevated. Not, not going to go there, not going there at all. But you, know, you may be feeling down on the dunk. You may be a little grumpy. You're hosting a pity party for one and you've invited yourself. You know, you get discouraged. Uh, when you do, you don't need a coffee break. You need a word break. God gives us the Bible to encourage us. It's a mood elevator. I'm claustrophobic. I like to think of it as a mood escalator because escalators are open. Okay? Whatever works for you. Romans 15, 4 says, Everything that was written in the past, that's the Bible, was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Circle four words in that verse. Everything, encouragement, Scriptures, and hope. Everything, encouragement, scriptures, and hope. Everything that's written in here, everything that's written in scriptures is to encourage us and give us hope. Isn't that amazing? The Bible's written to be a mood elevator. And when you're fatigued, when you're discouraged, when when you've run out of energy, instead of turning on the TV, you need to open up the Bible. You know, read Dr. Luke instead of watching Dr. Phil. It'll lift your mood. Because the Bible has the power to change your life. Now, I'll tell you, you watch enough TV, it'll change your life. And if you watch a lot of TV, it'll change your life. It won't change you in the direction of your life that you want it to go or the direction that God wants it to go. It'll change your life. You spend time reading God's Word, it'll elevate your mood. It'll change your life in the way that God wants your life to be changed. That's why we're so intent through this, this six-week campaign here to encourage you to build the habit of spending a daily quiet time with God. A daily quiet time where you just talk to God, visit with Him, look at His Word. He talks to you. You talk to God. And in your small group, you're going to be learning the four essentials for a quiet time and the six things that you need to do in order to do one. Psalm 119.14 says, You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. 
The Word is meant to renew you, to encourage you, to give you hope. If you're discouraged, if you've lost hope, it tells me one thing. You're not spending your time in the Word. Because the Word will give you encouragement and hope. This book elevates my mood. It lifts me out of discouragement and despair. One more thing it does. One more way the Bible changes me. It liberates my potential. Only God, only your Creator knows your full potential. You, You don't even know your full potential. Your parents don't know your full potential. Your teachers don't know your full potential. Your friends don't know your full potential. Your critics don't know your full potential. Only God knows what you are truly capable of. And so you've got to spend time in God's Word so you can get out of the boxes that other people are trying to keep you in. Most people live their lives for the expectations and the hopes of other people. They want the the approval of other people. Well, what will other people think if I do this? Your life has been so limited by the words of other people. You need your life liberated by the Word of God. I mean, sometimes they didn't even mean to do it, but sometimes growing up, you heard words like, you can't do that. You're not talented enough. You're not smart enough to do that. You, you, you can't make that happen. You'll never be good at that. Why can't you be more like your brother? You, you were told all these words, and you believed those words, and you've played them over and over and over again in your head and your heart, and now you don't even know the potential that you're capable of. Only God knows the full potential of your greatness, the true impact that your life can make, and only God can unlock that potential in you. Only God can set you free from from the hurtful words of your past because He's got the truth. Jesus said, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The words of the world will imprison you. The Word of God will liberate you. It will make you able to do things you never imagined you could could do. It will set you free. So where are you? Would you like to have your life recreated after it's fallen apart? Would you like to have your guilt eradicated for everything you've ever done wrong? Would you like to have your faith activated so that you're not living in fear? You like to have your growth stimulated so, so you can become all God meant for you to be. And have your mind illuminated so you can make wise decisions in, in, in a crazy and chaotic world. Have your mood elevated out of the dumps. Have your potential liberated. Anybody interested in that? Man, I am. How? How do I do it? Three things. Number one. I must learn God's Word. Jesus said, your trouble is, you don't know the Scriptures. He said that to the religious leaders in his day. He said to the Pharisees, you guys know what your trouble is? You don't know the Scriptures. Follow me on this. What you think is your problem, just pick a problem in your life. What you think is your problem is not really your problem. Your problem is, is how you respond to that problem. Your problem is always your response. That's why you can take two people with the exact same problem and one of them overcomes and one of them fails. One of them succeeds and one doesn't. Why? 
Because the problem is never the problem. The problem is always your response to the problem. Because every problem is an opportunity. Every problem is an opportunity for growth. Every problem is an opportunity for faith. Every problem is an opportunity for prayer. Every problem is an opportunity to become like Christ in response to that problem. And the problem is not the circumstance. The problem is your response. You know, the reason why we get into so many problems, do you ever see somebody who their life just implodes? I mean, it, it is just a chain of problem after problem after problem after problem after problem. And you just look at it and you think, how could somebody do that? How could somebody's life get so screwed up? It's because of the response to each of the problems. It's just a downward spiral. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to men, but it always ends in death. You, know, you want to know what God's will is on any subject? Usually, if you think of what you would naturally do, God's will is the opposite. Because there's a way that seems right to us. This is my way out of this bad marriage. This is my way out of this difficult season. This is my way, way out of this uh, problem with my child. And we think the way that we're going to go, our natural reaction is not the way to do it. In fact, our natural reaction just escalates the problem. It sets off a chain of additional problems. You know, it, it, when somebody hurts me, it's my natural reaction to hurt them back. What does that do? It just escalates the conflict. You know, when somebody hurts me, what's my natural reaction? To hold on to a grudge. But when you hold on to a grudge, you don't hold a grudge. It holds you. It imprisons you in a prison of pain. That's the natural thing to do. It just doesn't work. You know, when we don't respond to problems the way God wants us to do, it just makes the problem worse. And that's why Jesus says, you know, your problem is you don't know the Scriptures. Because if you knew the Scriptures, then you would know how to react to your problem in a way that makes things better rather than making things worse. You've got to learn what the Bible tells you to do, and how to act in every situation. Second thing I must do, I must accept God's Word. I must accept its authority in my life. Now, there are things in the Bible that I don't understand. There are things in the Bible that I don't like. There are things in the Bible that, that are, I wish God hadn't said them. There are things that are inconvenient and difficult for me but I accept them. I accept the authority of God's Word because God is God and I'm not. And me trying to understand why God has said everything He said in His Word is like an ant trying to understand the Internet. And I mean one of those little crawly around ants, not my Aunt Weezy who struggles with the Internet. Okay? I mean, it's just not going to happen. I don't have the brain capacity to know why God said to do everything that God said to do. But I just need to accept it. I just need to respond to it. I mean, you think about it. It is arrogant for me to say, well, God, you said this, but I think I've got a better way. God, this is what you said to do, but I'm going to do this. I know that will work out better. See how arrogant that is? You know, I, I've got to accept the Word of God as the authority in my life. I may not like it. I may not agree with it. It may not be popular. It may not be politically correct. It may be hard, even impossible to do, but I'm still going to accept the Word of God as the authority in my life. 
I mean, I can't set up my word as better than God's word. I can't do that. Look at the, what Paul told the Thessalonians. He said, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You've got to accept God's word in order for God to work in your life. If you reject God's word, if you're disobedient to God's word, God can't work in your life. Chaos is going to work in your life. Because the way God works in your life, the way God reveals His will for you, the way God speaks into your life, the way God guides your life, the way God brings hope and healing and health and encouragement and strength and power and possibility into your life is through His Word. That's how it happens. Through His Word. And I must accept His Word into my life. Third thing I must do. I must act on God's Word. John 13, 17. Jesus said, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. That's not what he says. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The blessing follows the obedience to God's Word. You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you know. You get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you do. I've got to learn it. I've got to accept it. I've got to do it. And when I do that, you know what happens? My life gets recreated. My guilt gets eradicated. My mood gets elevated. My faith gets activated. My spiritual growth is stimulated. And my potential is liberated. All these things happen when I learn, accept, and do the Word of God. Let's pray together. Would you just pray in your heart, quietness of your own heart and mind, would you just say, God, today, I accept the authority of your word. And God, it may be difficult. It may be hard to understand. It may be hard to obey. It may be hard to do. But God, I accept the authority of your word in my life. God, help me to do what you say to do. I want to learn it. I want to accept it. I want to do it. And God, can come into my life. Create, recreate my life. God, cleanse me. Eradicate my guilt. Cleanse me with your word. Wash the guilt and the shame out of my life. God, activate my faith as, as I study and read and learn your word. Stimulate my growth. Build me up with the Word of God. Lord, a lot of times I I get confused. I get myself backed into corners. I get myself into difficult spots. And I don't know which way to turn. But your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God, would you just illuminate my mind and give me the wisdom that I need to see how to get back on the path. God, when I get discouraged and down, when I feel like giving up, would you elevate my mood? And all the stuff that has me stuck, the stuff that holds me back, the stuff that hinders my progress, God, liberate me. Set me free as I continue in your word so that I can reach my full potential. 
If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, then this, this would be your time. This would be your moment just to open your life and say, Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. Give me that new birth. That, make me that new creation. Help me to become a part of your forever family. And then lead and guide and direct me through your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name.